Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Osiris. Welcome to Wheels Off, a show about the messy reality of the creative life. I'm Rhett Miller. Ben Harper doesn't need an introduction, right? You guys know who Ben Harper is. He's a badass. And he's been doing it a long time at a high level. And I could list off a bunch of Grammys that he's won and a bunch of um, musical milestones that he's hit during his career. And they are all well-deserved. This guy is a hardworking musician, a musician's musician, if you will. He's what they call the real deal. He has a new record out June 2nd on Chrysalis called Wide Open Light. He uh, makes an appearance on an Apple TV Plus show called Extrapolations in the finale, where he performs a Marvin Gaye classic, Mercy, Mercy Me. He likes to skateboard, which he touches on towards the end of this interview. He's a deep guy. He's a thoughtful guy. I got to sit in my office in the Hudson Valley and talk to Ben Harper from his office in California on this lovely spring day. And what fun it was. He's somebody I've always admired. And he could have been, you know, he could have been a lot less cool than he is. And I still would have liked him. But don't you love it when you meet people that you've always admired and they wind up being everything you'd hoped for? Ben Harper is just that. So glad that he appears on Wheels Off. I hope you will forgive me at the end of the episode. I I get him to um, give me some songwriting tips, a little deep dive kind of insider trading that might have been more for me than for y'all. But uh, stories come out of it that are as juicy as anything else in the interview. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoy this. I know I did. Please welcome to Wheels Off, the great Ben Harper. Welcome to Wheels Off, Ben Harper. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me on. This is great. Uh, for the edification of our listeners, from where are you logging in? I'm in Silver Lake, California, Southern California. Nice. Very nice. Um, congrats on the new record. Thanks, man. Thank That's you. exciting. Uh, and knowing the the way things work, um, it's probably been done for a while. I'm wondering, how do you typically handle that that lag time between a record being completed and finally entering the world? Yeah, that's something I've never really gotten used to, even before streaming. So now it's even more awkward to have something at the press of a button, but not able to press the button. Yeah. Do you have like a cadre of um, trusted loved ones that you share it with early on and, and let their their feedback be enough for the time being? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. And also go on to kind of 
it, there is a release in the completion of an album, right? So then it, that you learn to have that be its own satisfaction. And then the release is kind of the final sort of crowning jewel moment. And from what I know about you, I would guess that you've probably been doing stuff since you rapped on the album. What uh, creative project are you working on at the moment and how does it light you up? Ah, oh, there's been some fun stuff. Yeah, that's true. Uh, aside from my own work, um, my wife is working on a documentary for uh, a documentary about a, a, a mental health facility that's getting bombed out in Ukraine. Mm. And I'm doing that. And there's a documentary coming out on the song My Way. And did a little something for that. Does that uh, get into the little tidbit about David Bowie having been briefly approached about Trent uh, adapting it from French to English? Yeah, they touch on that for sure. It's a piece in there. What a crazy thing. What a perfect song in a way. Yeah. Does does Do you prefer the Sid Vicious version or the Frank version? I love them both, but I'm partial to mainly because I've, I've been aware of her. There, there's something that's just so so ethereal about Frank's. Yeah, I mean, clearly musically superior. Did that song come along for him kind of late, but then it became his sort of his theme song, right? The late part of his career. Seems like it's one of his defining moments for sure. How fun, dude! That's great. You've got a lot going on, and the the documentary sounds heartbreaking, but really cool. Yeah, it's powerful. What's it called? I don't think they have a title for it yet. Okay. It's a, it's in connection with International Medical Corps, and they do some of the most incredible work on the planet. Yeah, that sounds pretty amazing, your wife's work. Yeah, it's really impressive. She, It was a lot for her going there, for both of us and the family, and it's, but you got to go. But she was, she felt... Um, Yeah, safe is an overstatement, but she felt that there was a clear path to get to where she was going, and it proved to be the case. Man, um, so I th you and I are almost the same age, and and you've been you know you've been doing this for a long time. I wonder when you think back on the earliest moments that you knew you were going to be a musician, an artist. Do you remember an epiphany moment? Do you remember how it started for you? Yeah, I mean, you have that burning desire. I had a burning desire that there was something that I needed to let out and to share. And it, it felt good. It felt great in my immediate community. Um, you know, while I had illusions of grandeur, youthful illusions of grandeur, um, I also felt like I had my feet planted firmly on the ground. You know, I played lap steel. Lap steel was my first instrument. I played lap steel. It's the frets. There's no frets. I, I had no use for frets until I really got got into songwriting but my first instrument was lap steel and i even at a young age i knew full well that you don't pick up a lap steel guitar to get famous <laughs> so i mean i i just figured well i'll just work on my craft and you know spend spend time getting to know this instrument and and it, it grew from there it's funny i i don't know of any other musicians you know except for like 
the John Bryan types that start as drummers and then do all the other things. But I don't know of a lot of musicians that play stringed instruments that start in a situation without frets. I'm wondering, is there some is there some other world that you lived in before you entered the fretted world where it's more mapped out? Like, or is did you see a world where there was not you know a certain number of notes but an infinite number of notes? Is that a thing? I think that's fair. <clears throat> was I? I happen to be raised with. Um, not only 12 tones, but microtones. How did you wind up with the lap steel? I grew up, my family has had a music store in my family for 65 years. The doors still open to this day. Matter of fact, last night I was, I did a window. We have two large windows, maybe, um, you know, uh, 10 feet wide, 10 feet high and lower, not 10 feet high, but eight feet high, 10 feet wide display windows on each side of the family business. And I did a window display tribute to David Lindley all day yesterday. It took me from 11 in the afternoon, 11 in the morning to 11 at night to get it right. And so I, I was raised around instruments. It's, and it's an instrument. It was world music before there was the, the term world music. It's, I believe it's the oldest family owned and operated music store in California. God, that's so cool. What part of town is it in? It was. It, it's called the Claremont Folk Music Center, mm -hmm. and so there were there were there was everything from hammer dulcimers, lap dulcimers, lap steel, acoustic lap steel, um, all the way to like. It really focuses on ethnic world music instruments. So there's there's sarangi, sarod, saz, the whole you know, not to mention the whole violin family. So I was hearing fretless sounds from birth, really. Wow. No overstatement. You like I was <laughs> the first place I probably went other than my house when I was born was the music store. So you so you probably didn't get much pushback when you wanted to be a musician as a career path. One might think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A little bit. The to kind of run the shop you know that was my like you don't leave it because the shop is about an hour outside of la in a small region called small town called claremont in a region called the inland empire and the inland empire ain't la and la was the big bad city and that wasn't supposed to happen i it, truly my career is as improbable as you'll find in music it's funny though the idea that there would be like a, a cookie cutter way that that one you know makes it or makes a career you know builds a career so maybe it's the improbability that that makes it you know what it what it's been um i wonder for you you know throughout all this when you were starting out and kind of coming up against the your family's little bit of pushback and and then just we all know sort of the external things that make it hard for us to do our job but when you're running up against sort of internally generated obstacles you know uh doubt uh, negative voices in your head um roseanne cash brought up um success guilt you know um other people bring up imposter syndrome when that kind of stuff um Im impinches on your work what have you figured out or your life what have you figured out as a way to get past that 
Red, I would say I think I had a strong sense of purpose in what I was doing. I mean, I knew I couldn't play like a thousand other players, but I knew goddamn well they couldn't play like me. And I just always felt such a sense of satisfaction from doing it. I mean, I, I, I would be equally as happy were I on the exact same circuit I was playing before I had a record deal. I would be doing exactly what I'm doing now, just with less, uh, less chaos. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I don't think most people would put that together. I mean, I've found that to be true. Um, that the more success you have and the bigger the stage is literally and figure figuratively, the more chaotic it is and the more demands there are on you. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, God, it's, it, it seems to me like you're, and I think the new, the new record sort of, um, speaks to this, like you, you grapple with spiritual questions and you seem pretty spiritually grounded. Does that ring true? I think that's fair to say. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, cause spirit, spirit being, how can one even be spiritual and grounded? Cause you think you're spiritual. Are you grounded? right uh, spiritual you know so i'm i'm looking for it you know and i just hope it's looking for me i like that um all right well boy this is so easy you're great i i wonder if you'd be willing to try and distill some of this um some of the wisdom that you're that you've learned and you're sharing if you uh imagine a 21 year old version of yourself in to <clears throat> today's world with all of the the weirdness and trappings of the modern world. What um, what advice might you give twenty one year old you? Take more time for yourself, because you know, uh, no one's going to protect you in the way that you'll protect yourself. Do you think you'd listen? No, <laughs> I'd only. I listened to my, the saddest part, and this is the irony. I would, at 53, I'd listen to a 21-year-old. But at 21, I wouldn't listen to a 53-year-old. It's a goddamn shame, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, youth and being wasted on the young. I've got a kid about to turn 20, and he's wise way more so than I am. Okay, right on. How old is he again? He's 19. 19, that's a great age. And, uh, and he, I mean, he he knows everything um just ask him but he also kind of does know everything I, I i my 18 year old is in the same saying wise beyond her years yeah knows not only knows but knows what she doesn't know yeah i wonder um well look i don't i i hope you don't mind i've sort of gone i've run through the the tent poles of my normal interview but if you wouldn't mind i'd love to hear some of your thoughts about um, songwriting, and when when you sit down to write a song, and I, I, you know, you've written with other people. I think uh, the 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 single off the new album is Jack Johnston, right? And Jack yeah. Johnson. And um, when you sit down to write, do you have uh, a a trick that you? I guess my question is this: Do you know what the thing is that you're writing about, 
or do you tend to let it sort of go stream of consciousness and let the song drag you along? It's both. It's both. And it's not a, not as a, as a non-answer, but <clears throat> we're all at the mercy of the muse. We're at the mercy of, of the song. So every once in a while you go write from an idea and other times you're writing from literally mumbling. I mean, and there is no, no other way to write a song other than to surrender. But sometimes that surrendering means being tenacious and chasing it. And sometimes the surrender means letting it find you. Do you find yourself um, making time to sit down and sort of draw the muse in? Or do you find yourself, you know, like late for a dinner and you got to sit down and write a song all of a sudden? And uh, I mean, what's your work ethic like? My work ethic, personally, it varies because you know if I'm writing for someone or with someone, then you know you've got a you've got a window to work with. Sometimes, sometimes you just go go back and forth with people until it's done, and they're not in a rush, and you're not in a rush. But if if there is if 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 the goal if the arrival you know if if the destination is if you've got a deadline then you you've got to get it done now that's the exception not the rule for me i don't often work with a deadline but i tend to do well with them um but for the most part it's just a part of every day for me it's a way of life writing songs Yeah. Do you often wake up with them in your head, snatches of them? Man, I got to get this to stop beeping. Yeah, I, I, I often wake up with ideas. Sometimes I can grab them out before they sort of uh, vaporize. And then sometimes they're just so pronounced that there's no shaking them. And that's always nice so that you can, that really means they've, they've got some staying power oftentimes for myself. But I mean, make no mistake about it, you know, the best songs are written on accident. I mean, the most important part of it for me is just to never forget, for the most part, that I never forget. The most important part about writing songs is remembering that you don't know what you're doing. Because once you really know what you're doing, then you're you're thinking about doing something. But if you remember you don't know what you're doing, then you don't know that you actually are doing something other than letting it be done. Do you think it's good for people then to get deep into studying music and theory? I mean, this is I mean, this is a ridiculous question, but... No, in, in life, I'm a skateboarder. Yeah. as well not a skateboarder skateboarders are professional skaters but i love skateboard i'm a, i'm a serious enthusiast of, or in and around the can't even call it a sport really right craft it, or, or physical endeavor yeah even greatest skaters i know can't do certain tricks matter of fact the greatest skaters i know can't do a whole host of tricks and there's vert and there's street and there's freestyle you just don't get it all in a lifetime, right? So if you, and there is, 
yeah, there's right paths and there's wrong paths, but then in between the right path and the wrong path is your path. So if your path is is Berkeley Juilliard, you know, and, and, and to be able to sight read and master that craft, then make no compromise. And if your craft is folk music and folkloric music and roots music, or if it's jazz or soul, you know, electronic hip hop, go there and go there without comparing yourself to anyone else. Go there without compromise and just and let it chew you up and spit you out. I love it. Uh, um, when you are working on a song and you've written a pass that feels good, typically when you're writing for yourself, not with somebody else, uh, where do you land on rewrites and um, revision? I love it when songs come out and there's very little need for that, right? I mean, that's all, that's that's the center of the center of the target, right? Yeah. And th- and then the rest of the time there there's you know I'll belabor it and the or you or me or we and especially now in the era of of appropriate pronouns and application thereof I love how that's challenged the senses as a songwriter. So I, I, I sometimes, but you do, I don't, I, I don't let rewriting stop me from finishing the song, but I demand it when it comes to perfecting it. That's great. I heard a Leonard uh, Cohen quote the other day where um, he talked about going through a finished song, a first draft of a song and looking for the slogans, which, which is a word I would never have thought of, but he said, you look for the slogans and you take out the slogans. Sure. Wish I'd have heard that when I was in my twenties. <laughs> That's what I thought. Yeah. That's exactly what I thought. But Leonard used to come into my family music store because no. he, he lived at the Zen center for quite a bit of time. And the Zen Center is at the is it is the is at the top of the mountain or up the mountain. The my family's music store is at the foot of the mountain of where his Zen Center was, and he'd come in, and, you know, just literally kind of putz around and just cruise around and play different instruments. And we've got lots of different kind of music related fun things that aren't obvious: slit drums, kalimbas, and stuff like that. And he just move around and play. He'd come to the Leonard would finally get to the to the till. He'd get up to the register and he'd have certain things he was picking out. And and my grandfather, I would make him well aware of who he was because my grandfather didn't have a great sort of radar when it came to professional musicians. And once he found out it was a professional musician, he would because our our store is very folk community based, and he 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 had he legendary musicians had there was one i won't get into names but put out a cigarette butt on the on the carpet because oh. he give a deal to, there's a lot of fantastic professional musician story <laughs> where he said like, they've got the most money but they bargain the hardest and you know this isn't a swap meet kind of thing <laughs> but uh you know my grandfather knew it was leonard cohen and 
my grandfather always would try to elbow me out at the register because he always knew I was going to give Leonard a 50% discount. <laughs> oh, man, that's fantastic. Well, look, I love this. I'm I'm such a fan, and I'm really grateful that you took some time to to submit to the wheels off treatment and um, congrats on the new record. Thank you so much, Ben. Me on. It, it's a true pleasure. And uh, yeah, thank you. Great hope, time. Yeah. I hope our paths cross someday soon and take care of yourself. Are you, are you touring soon? Are you going out? Uh, well, we just uh, did a West coast tour. The old 97s did our 30th anniversary tour. And um, we're going to continue Midwest in August, Northeast in September. We're making a new record in a few weeks up in Portland, Oregon with um, with the band up there and Tucker Martin producing. Always have been. Our paths have crossed so many times and uh, we haven't met in the middle, but let's let's get a chance to, to build something together. Let's, I mean, you can send me something. I'll throw you some background harmony, see if they stick or lap steel or any yeah. anything. I'm a fan. You made my day. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. Thanks, Rick. All right. Thank you so much for listening to Wheels Off. Please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. That helps us appear higher in the search results and lets other folks know that it's a cool podcast to listen to. Also, as the kids say, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else that you listen to shows like this so that you never miss an episode. This has been Wheels Off, and I'm Rhett Miller, encouraging you to create every day. Thanks, y'all. Osiris. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Grey Street.